Welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast. My name is Terry and I've done so many episodes of this podcast that you could start listening to them on Monday and go non-stop until Saturday. This chat is with an extremely seasoned Disney animator with more than 30 years experience in the industry over four countries, Michael Surrey. So currently Michael serves as the creative director of story and animation at Spire Animation Studios. In our chat, he's gonna share how he got his big break at Disney back in the 90s, then the crazy thing he did to jump from intern to full-time animator to supervising animator and beyond, to work on films like Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and The Lion King. Plus he's gonna share what he's learned about pursuing a lasting and fulfilling career in animation without burnout. So now without further ado, let's jump into the chat. Hi Mike. Thank you for coming on the podcast. How are you? Hey, Terry, I'm doing well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, as always, I'm excited to chat. And uh, let's start off with some of the tough questions. Uh, what? So, because you've had a, you know, a great Disney career, worked on all the fun films that everybody in the world grew up watching. Tell me about the non-fun, non-easy, tough to get through parts of being a glorious Disney animator over the years? <laughs> well, they'd have to, I'll have to start a little bit before I got to okay. Disney, which is just, just to say that um, the journey to get to Disney took about from school, graduating from Sheridan in 87 to getting to Disney in 1990. So there's about three years of jumping around. So I was in school in New York, Long Island, New York Institute of Technology on a scholarship to work on a movie slash get a degree. So it was kind of like, you know, come down here to the US, we'll give you a, we'll, you'll be here on a student visa, but hey, we'd like you to work on our movie while you're down here, but we'll get you a degree. And I was like, all right, well, that's, that sounded great. But the problem was that they weren't very organized. They didn't have it all put together. And it was a bit of a, a, a thing for me to notice that in the animation world, we just weren't on the grid at all. Like nobody knew we were there. Um, that's when I met my wife and then we had our daughter and I realized, wait a minute, I need to make money to sort of support this. And, um, right. so I put my name out there, uh, to all the studios, Disney, Florida, Disney, Australia, Disney, California, uh, universal in London, you know, I just anywhere. So whatever, whoever says yes, we go there. And, uh, and timing wise, I got a yes from England for Universal, but a, a month later, Disney said, we'll take you in California. But also in between that, I had three rejections from Disney. So it was- So you just, got, you just didn't take no for an answer, I guess. Right, and then what, what it was is just sort of like submitting your work and then having them look at it and say, no, you don't have it. No, you're, you're not what we're looking for. And then I went, okay, well, what if I rearrange it? What if I do this, send it in again? And then they kind of went, no. <laughs> And then I, I sort of talked to a friend of mine who says, well, maybe if you put this here and did that, and then it was a bit of a connection to say, you know, maybe that would that work for him, it might work for you. And so I submitted again to their, to their review board. But at that moment, I got accepted in a universal in London. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go to London. But then all of a sudden I get this letter saying, guess what, you, you're in Disney now. So, so, I had so this you were... This was the exact same portfolio pieces, just reorganized in a different way. Reorganized it. So you yeah. weren't, what? <laughs> well, it, what happens, I mean, I think because the review board, it depends on who's, 
again, I got behind the curtain when I got to Disney to see it because I was eventually on that review board. But you see yeah. that there's certain people in the room that aren't really, I'm not in their crosshairs. So they just go, no, pass, no, pass. But it just turned out that one time I rearranged it, it happened to be at a time where A, they were looking for trainees and B, there were people in the room that were really the people that I would be working with. And they oh, wow. said, yeah, we like his stuff. Let's, he's a yes. Is it still like that or? or it's a, It is a little bit like that. I think it's sort of the review process obviously has changed over the year, decades because it's more digital based, but it's, but still kind of can be the same where you submit your work. And it, I always tell students, if you're gonna submit anything, make sure your best stuff is the first stuff you see. Yeah. Because a lot of times people were reviewing not just your portfolio, but maybe 10, 15 others. And, and again, they just go, okay, let me go through it. Click, click, click. I'm five in. No, yeah. give me, let me go to the next. But if your best stuff is up front, it's the best representation of who you are as an artist. Yeah, I can so, imagine they're getting like thousands of applications all over the world. It's yeah. Like you've got one second to impress. So thinking back to your application versus, you know, being on that review board yourself now, what mm -hmm. is something that stood out in your portfolio or you know would carry through and still stand out now to show that you have the you have what it takes have what it first takes. Two uh, <laughs> well i think i i had heard that the one thing that sort of sold me to them was not so much my drawing ability it was more the the acting the the acting and in, in the animation that i was doing sort of made them think well he's just he's just fresh out of school more or less a year or so and he's doing kind of good acting animation so that to somebody who's going to be my mentor can work with that and the drawing part they have classes they have ways for you to get better at that i mean i was i was okay i wasn't horrible but i mean it was yeah. but i had some work to do but they thought that's fine we can we can get him better it's but when somebody has good timing in their work that's not always easy to to train or teach Interesting. It, it, takes, I, it takes a bit of time I would assume now because there's so many applications that you would you just need to have what they want immediately versus somebody that they want to to train a little bit more is that is that true i think so i think it's a little the the window of of training i think is smaller now in some ways where people are a little less uh willing to take the risk on on and it could be just because of the volume of people that are applying it back sorry this is 1990 so animation was was not dead but it wasn't it wasn't massive like it is now i mean you had uh disney had uh, little mermaid had roger rabbit and it was starting to blossom again as far as being like wait a minute disney we can make the, the idea of an animated musical was starting to be born then so that was becoming like a, a renaissance of, of sorts for disney so a lot of people were i just happened to get in at that point so I think about two or three years later from that date, there was a flooding of people coming in and they were like, oh, there's too many portfolios. There's, we're getting all these portfolios. We have to go through all of these and, but we don't have any positions for anybody. And then they started creating a training program, mentors. And usually they might be having like four mentors, but now they're having like maybe up to 10, mm -hmm. 10 or 12. So it's it's just on the, on the need, I think for, uh, uh, you know what when i applied for it it was a little bit more you know there wasn't that many to fight with yeah. now i think there's, there's just so many places to go for right. for your jobs i mean it's not just disney or pixar or dreamworks and 
there's a lot there's, of places where there's fire animation fire animation yeah that's right they're up and comings yeah so okay so you're you're fresh out of school for a couple of years you've been around the block studio wise you just got your big break mm -hmm. and you're like hey wife and kid let's yep. pack up and leave and stay here for the next 30 years yeah well <laughs> i think back then it was more like okay let's go out there for a couple of years and see how it goes yeah yeah because yeah. everywhere i'd worked up to that point was always only two or three years i was completely thinking this is going to be like a short-term gig so what happened <laughs> i i guess i did pretty good so they kept me for a couple of decades so it was all right but uh, so how, how did you because you know disney has always been the premier place to become an to want to become an animator etc how did you make yourself stand out while you were there to to keep being there and make this a career and work your way up and work on all these films like well, what was uh, what was your secret sauce to success while you're there and don't well, just tell me like work hard. <laughs> no, yeah, no. Well, that is part of it. But I think I realized when I was there that, that, I mean, you have to get past the idea like, oh, I've got a job. Yay. I'm working at Disney. All right. Awesome. And then you realize the history, right? You realize the amount of history and then you're working on a, so my first feature there was Beauty and the Beast. So you're working on a movie and you're thinking, wait a minute, this is a Disney movie and it's going alongside all these other Disney movies. So you get a little overwhelmed and starstruck by that. Um, the great thing about Disney, they have a research library, which has all those old movies that yeah. you can go into and go, hey, could I look at a scene from Pinocchio? And they go, yeah, sure, here you go. And you could look at it. Wow. And that didn't help because that intimidated me more. <laughs> yeah. um, but what it, what it did do is it sort of started to show me what I had to do in order to, to stay. So hmm. the whole goal is to stay there. Um, and what I did is I realized, okay, I need to, I need to do work on my own. I have to work outside of my day job, which was assisting other animators. So I had to do my own work at, at night. So a lot of times I would work till six, go home, take care, help take care of uh, my daughter. And then my son was born. So I'm now go home, take care of kids until about nine. And then I'd come back to work and work till about midnight or one just in time to feed and take care of my son as he's getting up, put him to bed, go to bed, start the whole day over again. Wow. I, do that. I did that for, well, it seemed like a couple of years. And um, when you and say go really, back, when you say go back and work, are you working on the project or are you doing your own personal doing my own work? So, so what did that mean? You're just doing animation exercises? Yeah, well, so I, I decided I'm gonna take one of the characters from Beauty and the Beast and do an animation test. Because as a, as a trainee, you get reviewed every three months. And they want to see, okay, is this person getting it? Should we keep them? Um, maybe, we shouldn't, maybe we shouldn't continue with this person. Or should we promote them? Hmm. So the goal, obviously, is to be promoted. So I just wanted to just you know, put my head down and go, you know, I'm just going to do a kick-ass test and try to, try to just show them that I, I can do it. And I, I put everything I... I, I knew at the time into it. And I thought, well, okay, this will be a way to showcase what I can do and what I can give them. Um, now I'll say this, I didn't know everything about how to animate, like the technical sides of it. I just, I just winged it. I a little smoke and mirrors for, yeah. for at, the, at the beginning stages, because I just thought I know how to do it. I just don't know how to do it the way they do it. So let me just do it the way I know, which is, not to get over into the weeds of it, but it's like doing drawing one then drawing two, then drawing three and then, ah, so and then going that way. 
versus doing drawing one, drawing 13, drawing 21, and then you figure out the stuff yeah. in between. I didn't have the brain capacity to figure that out. And they out. didn't teach that back at Sheridan in the 80s. Well, they, <laughs> they did, but it was still like, just to get your head around yeah, how yeah, I knew yeah. where to be in, on frame 13 and frame 25, I don't okay. know. You know, but I know how to move it. If I had to move something through, that's okay. That's how it moves. I'll just draw how it moves. When you time. were going, when you were going back to the studio till midnight, were you the only guy there and the janitor maybe, or there's all the other trainees joining you? No, I was pretty much, it was me and maybe a handful of other people working in production that were wow. just working late. But uh, yeah, I just, it would just be most cases it would be me. So tell me you got the, the promotion. I did. At the end of that, I got promoted to animator. I oh, wow. Animating assistant to animator. And I was a, now an animator on Aladdin. Amazing. Um, How many other people of the trainees at the time were promoted like that as well? I think there was a, there was eight all together, but only three or four of us got promoted. Nice. And those three or four, were they going extra hard just like you were? <laughs> well, I don't think they, some of them, some of them may have I don't think they did because I, I, I knew at that stage, even for me, I, ha I had to, I had ah. to work a little harder to, to get to where other people were just like, Oh, I got it. Gotcha. So you're very self-aware of your own skill. Limitations. Well, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, 30 years later, you're getting a congratulations for me, but congratulations. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> you like really strategized, made this happen. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. I, I just sort of realized that the only way I'm going to get to that next level is I have to, I'll, I'll just have to work harder at it. And yeah, yeah. I, did, I just said, you know, I have, you work hard at it and you get it, but you know. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. The truth. I Sadly, I mean, it's hard work. <laughs> yeah, but it, the good thing about animation is that that beginning stages of working hard, you see improvement. You start to see in yourself that you're getting better. And sometimes the great thing about, at least with Disney is that I'm working with an animator who's been doing it for 10 years and they're showing you things that you didn't know. And I'm like, oh, okay, I didn't know that. And then now I have that and I can go back and I can apply that to my, my toolbox. Right. And, it was, and it was just that collection of working with people on Beauty and the Beast and then on Aladdin working with um, Glenn Keane, who I admired like massively in school. So yeah. now I'm working with him and he's giving me one on, like it's just getting, it's getting your own personal teacher to just yeah. to show you how to do it. And I was like, what was the biggest uh, learning you got from Glenn Keane specifically, um, if you can recall? Well, two things. One is pretty basic, and uh, and one was was eye opening to me, which is just clarity in in your poses. You know how how you draw something to make it read very clearly, and and to fast forward just that thought into story. It's a massive help in story to be able to do that. Hmm. Um, it's just being able to make things read very clearly and clean when you're posing out your characters. Um, and that was super helpful for me to, to see how he would explain it, how one side of the character can have lots of cuts and in the silhouette and the other side is a nice smooth line. It just gives an, it gives a very pleasing um, um, shape and it always, you'll always find yourself doing that when you're posing out characters. And I went, oh, and as I was doing it, I, you could see, oh, okay, this is what he was talking about. Yeah. And that was a big, that was kind of like a big moment. The one that's more uh, basic that I probably should have known is how you draw eyes, you know, and I was just horrible at drawing eyes. 
and aren't and, we all but, isn't everybody well yeah and well because we are a are you are, drawing I, some eyes right I am now on camera so i'm going to show you i'll show you what i so this is what i used to like if you had to have a character looking left or right yeah i would draw the eyeball and i'll just draw one eyeball so i would draw the eyeball like that like a circle right 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 circle with the pulled, pupil on the end yes i feel like that, i already know what you're going to draw on the next one yeah see we'll, i'm like we'll you know out. this is where i learned how to do that yeah you got to perspectivize that pupil yeah <laughs> otherwise it just looks like a, a goofy goofy uh, but there's just there's i mean it's it when he did it i went oh man i should i should know how to do that <laughs> so here i am you know 1993 ish two i've been yeah. at the studio and working professionally for three or four years and i'm just now learning how to do eyeballs well, nobody oh. told you before <laughs> Glenn Keane. I know. Well, maybe they did. I just didn't pick it up. But you didn't pick it up because it wasn't Glenn Keane telling you. <laughs> so, so yeah. So you you know you've worked from two D to three D to storyboard. Maybe can you go over some some highlights of your career at Disney and how you ended up to where you are now? Sure. So getting the promotion to work with Glenn was a huge uh, thing for me for just because I was a super admirer of his and I learned a lot. That then segued into getting promoted again at the end of Aladdin to supervising animator on Lion King to work on the Meerkat Timon. Yeah. Um, which was my first chance doing to lead a character, which means you get to have your hands in on designing him, what Amazing. he's going to look like. And then you now have a crew of people with you. So you're now responsible for, let's say, five or six other people's work. Um, massively uh, uh, intimidating, but I, I did the same thing like I told you before when I did the test to get, I did the same thing. I, I did a test on my own at Christmas time at around Christmas, I stayed and I worked and I did a, I did a bunch of tests of Timon to show the directors like, yeah, you picked the right guy. Amazing. And they, and they told me actually 10, 12 months later, hey, you know that test you did? That's what made us feel comfortable having you do the character. You don't so have these. Like, you don't have these tests online anywhere, do you? You know, I don't, but I ah, think I could probably dig it up. That would be cool to see. Yeah. Um, random interjection: mm -hmm. uh, How is your social life during all this time, <laughs> especially around Christmas when you're supposed yeah, to be well, <laughs> buying gifts and seeing friends? And yeah, yeah. Well, it's. Uh, do you ever do you ever think back and because also you had two small kids and you're working late? Do you ever think back and wish you had? I don't know, done things differently or spend more time not working. I, I'm just, I'm just curious. I don't know if I said that in a bad way. No, no, I think, I think there is, I think there is sacrifices that you do unknowingly at the time. Yeah. Um, I think my brain was just thinking if I do this and I do it well, then everybody will be better off. We'll all be better off. Like it'll, you know, they'll like what I'm doing. The yeah. company will then see the benefit of having me and that'll benefit all of us. So it was always what, in my head that way. And what is internally driving you? At the start, it was, I have to feed my family. And at this point, you have some stability. What is it? Is it the love for the craft? Is it, uh, you know, still wanting to make more money and, and make more of a career? Like, what is, what is the underlying drive to keep you doing this very tedious, uh, very skill-based art career for so well, long? The, uh, well, the two, the two things that, that, and I know this, 100% of me is is my family that was the number one drive and also the love of doing it doing the nice. animation because I am I don't think 
you cannot do animation if you do not love it. It's it's such a it's it, it to your point. You said the word tedious. Yeah. It can be, and if you don't love it, you are you are looking at a clock and you are just wanting this thing to be done, and uh, and you get those moments. But the overall feeling is the love of it always comes back in to make you work a little harder. And you go, you know, if it's if it's two D or if it's CG, you're still going to go. Well, it looks good, and then you're just saying, well, wait a minute, if I just do a little bit more, right. maybe if I fix it just a little bit more, it'll be better. Right. Before right. you leave for the night, you know, you'll just do one. Let me just try one more thing. I mean, I that's love that's making you do that. That's, oh, yeah. I, I get that where it's like I have to stop at some point because I'll just focus on this one second forever because it's you can just keep improving it forever. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that element is very much the case of of anybody, I think, that that does it for a long time. 2D again in the traditional format, we didn't. We didn't know that there was an easier way to do it because it hadn't been really invented yet as far as CG animation. So the only way to do it was the way we were doing it. And I and you loved it. You loved having that ability to draw the character, have it do whatever you wanted it to do. Yeah. It, it was just a it was a pretty powerful tool. And then the fact that you know that that this is helping support the other love in your life, which is your family, that's that's I mean, I, I never felt like I had a job. I didn't feel like I ever was working. Nice. It just felt like all of a sudden money would show up in your bank and you go, oh, right, they pay me for this. Okay, good. Right. Oh, that's cool. Have you ever felt, that's, I mean, that sounds like an amazing feeling. Have you ever felt that there was something more that you wanted out of out of a career? And and because this career is fulfilling a lot of things for you. It's creative, uh, you know, your right. time, your hobby, basically, your family, your creative mind, your Etc. So, is there is there anything more? I guess now that you've jumped into a different role um, with Spire, that you are aspiring to include in this, or is it just an evolution? That was a, think, that's a really convoluted question. Well, and but it's, it's, I think it is an evolution of like your mindset. Certainly, early on in your career, is is really just about the craft itself, right? So you're just like, I just want to control this character, and I mean, if I used if I used the idea of being an animator. To being a to being a supervising animator, to being to going into story, to now where I sit as a creative director. So if I think of that path, mm -hmm. early on you're just thinking about oh I just want his hands to move. I just want to make him feel like he's really oh I'm gonna draw that. It's gonna look so real. And you're getting all caught up in that. And then when you're supervising, it's I want the character to look good. I want him. To, I want everybody's work to look good. I want to make sure that I fix his or hers drawing her drawings and make them read better and. So you're helping bringing up other people to story, which is now all of a sudden, you're not just thinking about a moment within a movie, you're thinking about massive sections of the film. So you have control over having script pages and then you're taking the, you're creating the visuals, the first visuals for a script. So you have a lot of control over like, not just moments, but, but sequences like chunks of the film. And that's kind of empowering as well. Yeah. Um, and, and it's the only, part within a pipeline of making an animated movie where where outside of the actor performing the lines of a character in a movie you're the only voice of that character right so it's it's kind of a cool feeling when you get a script and they go okay we're going into story and then you do a sequence and now you're pitching your sequence to everybody in the room and that's the first time they're hearing the words of the character's and in your and it's your visuals, it's your camera work. 
So it's a, it's a pretty kind of powerful position to be in, but it's also nerve wracking, but it's, yeah. but at the end of it, you just think, well, that's kind of a cool job to have. Um, totally. And now as a creative director, it's sort of being on the other side of it, sort of being on the receiving end of that. You know, I don't get to draw as much as I used to. I still try to draw when I can, you know, but I don't, I don't get to get in there and, you know, so I get to see other people. You can't have work. it all, Mike. You can't have no. it. <laughs> I was just thinking you, cause some people get into story as the first thing and, and mm -hmm. like, that's what they do versus you unintentionally, I guess, started as that, like you've, you've been through all the minute to the large scale pieces in between. So you have kind of a unique perspective of how everything operates and all the people involved. Do you think that gives you a specific advantage in creating better story than somebody who just only focuses on story and that's their whole thing? I'm just speculating. I don't think so. I, I think what it, the only advantage it might give you is that, you know, your drawing skills maybe have been more polished over, over time because you've been having to do it so much. Right. So you get a little bit more, uh, versed at that so that's not a, that's not an issue when you go into story it's more people that just go into story early on like early on and i'm talking like in the 90s some of them really wanted just to do story they want to write stories they want to tell stories so they they would go there right out of the gate right then there's those people that were like well i can't draw those characters the way they want me to draw them it's just i just can't do that i'm just not that I, my my style isn't that style yeah. So a lot of times they would go, well, but I can do that in story. That's fine. And, and so they would gravitate to story. Um, but there's a lot of animators that go into story that find themselves doing animation in story. And it's like, no, 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 you know, time out. Too many drawings. You don't need to do, you don't need to do all those drawings. You can just do one, two, three. You don't have to do 50. <laughs> so it's, there's a mindset that has to go with, with, being a story artist from being an animator yeah you have to start to think bigger picture not moments and gotcha. it's it's it can be a little bit of a, an adjustment and i've known several uh animators that have made that adjustment but it's not for everybody though right i think it took you away from going through the highlights of your yes your yeah. career uh, so I'll uh, let you well, well so anyways i go to lion king lion king becomes an unexpected massive hit and I'll tell you the inner story, which is inside the studio, that's when Disney decided to go from doing one movie to doing two. So there was a Lion King and Pocahontas. And I, then at that I, point- I, This story is very infamous in animation school. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's and I, you know, being there to see that Lion King was sort of filled with a couple of superstars, but, you know, veteran animators, but the rest of us were kind of newbies. Po Pocahontas was stacked with like your John Pomeroy, your Glenn Keane, and you know, uh, Mike Gabriel was directing, Eric Goldberg, all of them were over there. So everybody like that would had some sort of like need to want to be around the superstars, want to go to Pocahontas. Yeah. So even Jeffrey at the time was like, who was running the, the animation department, Jeffrey Katzenberg, and he was like, he had a meeting of, of all of us uh, for like a breakfast directors, producers, uh, animators, and, and said, I'm really excited about our lineup. It's going to be great. You know, uh, Lion King. Well, we'll see. We'll see what that does. We'll see what that does. But Pocahontas, now there's a movie. And he yeah. was very much about Pocahontas. And we're all like, oh, what? So now we felt like this underdog. And that sucks. And again, it was, I mean, and, and then it just, 
And he says, if it makes over, I think it was oh, the quote was, I think if it makes over a hundred million dollars, you'll have me on my knees, you know, about <laughs> down to you. Did he? It, made, it made, oh yeah, it made, it made a hundred million dollars. We had a party to, to celebrate and making a hundred million. And he did. He goes, I, I, I said, I'd do it. <laughs> well, so, I'll tell you, I was, a, I don't know how old I was, like 10 or something when those maybe even younger, I saw both of those in theaters and I instantly forgot about Pocahontas and was obsessed with Lion <laughs> King. So. <laughs> Well, it was kind of interesting to me on a completely, and this maybe fits into your, to your day job and into the world of marketing, but it just, as, as a interesting, even at that point, I was, because Disney put out a movie almost every year and the, and the fan base and the desire and the need for it grew. Mm-hmm. So Aladdin comes out and then they're all going, okay, so next, next uh, uh, June or July, uh, next summer, we're going to have another one. What, what is it? And they're going to go, no, we don't, we don't have anything. And everybody was just like, wait a minute, what? Because it was about a year and a half gap uh, between Aladdin and Lion King. So there was this massive want, like, what's next? What's next? Let's see it. That's, and our producer- Aladdin is my fav- was my favorite and I've watched it so many times yeah. when I was a kid. And, and, it's, and I think it just fed people's desire to see what's next. And then to, and again, I don't know who the, who the brainchild was behind this, but I'm sure Don Hahn, our producer, was part of it was to put out that opening, the opening of the movie with the moon or the sun coming up and, and all the animals. And that was just the trailer. He just put, they just put that out. Didn't say anything about, and you just saw that. And it made people crazy. Like, oh my God, like when's this coming out? So it built all this, all this momentum. And I guess the, the magic of it is that it delivered. It had, you know, Elton John, you had Tim Rice, you had characters that were engaging you have some heartfelt moments of a father being killed and the son being separated and not understanding it like you had all these you know moments in there that were just a perfect recipe for what they were trying to deliver and it and I think that's what made it just go bonkers and I thought is that a did somebody plan that I don't I just always wondered did somebody figure out how to like we just hold it back we hold it back tease a little (laughs) bit you know I, I Internally, don't did you think it was going to be a success yourself working on it, or you still felt second rate to the Pocahontas guys? Uh, you know what, the Pocahontas thing didn't didn't really affect us. I think it was more just we didn't want to be below Aladdin. So we uh, like whatever Aladdin's uh, box office was, we just wanted Lion King to be higher. So then we would think, okay, well, we we did good if we got this movie to be higher than Aladdin, which you know, everybody loved. And we thought, okay, if we can do that success. And then it just went, you know, <laughs> crazy. And, yeah, and it's very overwhelming at that time, but it's, but that's where life really changed for a lot of us. I think not just creatively, but, you know, um, financially, I mean, that was a big change. For so a lot of so you were making more money afterwards because it did so well? Yeah, because the studios realized, you know, that people working on these films, they would give them bonuses, they would give them, you know, you know, something to say, you know, congratulations on the movie. But that was just so massive. Yeah, that they realized, well, wait a minute, we can't not share this with with the people that worked on the movies. And and so but and it was it was life changing for a lot of us. And, and the industry in itself from that point forward grew massively. Um, and it, and it became a thing where all of a sudden you had students or, or people that you would talk to that want their kids to get into animation because they love to draw 
oh, my son or my daughter, she's always drawing, she loves animation. And then it would be like parents, I remember hearing this, like parents come in, oh, my son loves animation and we just want him to be an animator because he'll make good money. And you're like, oh, what? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute, really? Like you never, I, it never crosses my mind, even to this day about any choices I make create to do what I do, even to this new venture with Spire is, it has very little to do with money. Yeah. It's mainly a creative sort of like, that will be exciting. I'm going to learn something here. I want to learn. So, and the great thing about animation is that you will learn every, every year that you are in it, you are going to learn something new. And nine old men of Disney can tell you that they worked in well into their late sixties and they were constantly getting better. So that I was think just, it's a, I think it's amazing what you just said as soon as I, and I think at least from my own life and that's why I switched careers, as soon as you start thinking about how can you make more money and that becomes part of your career, I mean, to a certain extent, you know, making more money is great, but when that's sure. your focus on getting ahead, then it becomes a job and it becomes work and it doesn't, it takes the fun away. But if you've been able to stay in the fun zone for, for 30, 30 yeah. plus years, then Hey, let's, can I have your life? Can we, can yeah. we, make, can we, <laughs> nah, you have yeah, come on down, come on down, Terry, you can come on down. <laughs> I'll take your rainy, cold Toronto weather and you can come down yeah, here to help and enjoy this 100, 100 degree temperature. Okay. <laughs> so what, it, what is something you learned in the last year uh, yourself in, you know, switching it up from Disney to Spire and, and taking on this role? Well, I think the, well, just to sort of fill the gap. I mean, from Disney, sure, I left, yeah. I left I keep, there. And went to I keep, yeah. That's okay. It's okay. But I mean, but anyways, I, I mean, the growth period of Disney was great all through the 90s. Um, I learned, I left Disney in early 2000s, went to DreamWorks, and that's where I learned CG animation. Yeah. I went back to Disney and was working on Toy Story 3, but that was when Steve Jobs and Michael Eisner were fighting it out and they were going to make sequels to all Pixar movies down in California or down in um, Los Angeles. But then Pixar is purchased by Disney and then all the sequels to their movies will be done at Pixar. So that got shut down. And then I rolled into story with Glenn on Glenn Keane on Rapunzel before it became Tangled. Um, worked on that, went back to 2D animation on Princess and the Frog and then started seeing that, okay, well, maybe I want to try something different. Went back to DreamWorks. And this, by the way, is just, they're, they're, they're apart by about four miles. They're not that far apart. So I was just maybe getting off one exit earlier or later, over 30 years. Um, so the, and then I went to DreamWorks and I started in animation, but then transitioned into story for the last, you know, nine or 10 years. Um, so Is that, that transition to, easy to do being so experienced in, you know, all the roles that you'd already been in, or was it, was it tough kind of starting not from scratch, but for, in a totally different role? Um, not too bad because I, I had done story prior at Disney. I had played a role a little bit in Tarzan. I worked on Tarzan and I did some storyboarding for a couple months there and I loved it. And I really yeah. enjoyed it. So you, you decided to take an opportunity that came up in story or did you kind of? Yeah, well, it, the opportunity at DreamWorks was to do a combo, a combination film of, of 2D and CG. Hmm. And, but the 2D was gonna be all done on a, on a 
as everybody draws now on a Cintiq, on a tablet. And it was gonna be, the program that they had was gonna be able to bring that stuff into a 3D environment. And it was just kind of, it was kind of groundbreaking at the moment and it was not really all figured out, which was exciting. I thought, okay, this is gonna be cool. We're trying something new. And I think that was the trigger for me was that it was something new, hmm. something unproven, uh, let's see if we can do it. So there was a challenge in there. Sadly, only because the company was going through its own issues as far as movies not making as much money, they had to start shutting down films. That was one of them that they did. So then I transitioned into story at that point. And I, again, had done story before. And so the transition into that wasn't, wasn't too hard, but my confidence was sort of not at the best, you know? I mean, eventually you just get, you feel like you just, maybe I'm not good enough or maybe I'm old with this. Maybe, you know, maybe this isn't for me anymore. And I, and I sort of lost a little bit of my passion for animating. So to the point earlier of like, if you're going to do it for money, it animation is super hard. Huh. If you lose your passion for animation and you're still doing it, it's super, super hard. So I would have to go into work and I, and I just didn't, I just wasn't mentally there for it. And I would just say, okay, here I go. I got to animate a character that's smiling and it's doing all this. <sighs> okay. Let me just get into the, it was really hard. And it shows, it totally shows in your work. Um, and I just decided at that point when the movie was being shut down that maybe I can transition in back into story for two reasons. One, because I enjoyed it. it was, it's very much a more lifestyle friendly kind of occupation than animation. Mm. And, and I just needed to get my confidence back. Yeah. And it was, and it was you know, it was, it was not an easy time, but, but thankfully I, I got back into it again. And, you know, you start boarding a sequence, you show it, they go, Hey, that looks great. We're, let's cut it in. You go, Oh, okay. There we go. I did it. it again. Oh, okay. They it bought it. Hey, hey. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> after mirrors all. Again, I'm smoking in mirrors again. Um, but then it just kind of kept rolling and I just, I got more and more into it and I just really enjoyed uh, the ability to, to do it anywhere. I could do it at home. I could, I could sit uh, outside. And I, again, I don't know if, you know, maybe some of your listeners or even yourself have been to DreamWorks, but it's an amazingly beautiful campus to work. So I could take my script. I can get a cup of coffee. I can sit outside by the lagoon that they have and just, and just work. I can doodle and mm, maybe that. And I'm like, wow, I'm sitting here and I'm working. That's so fun. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it was, I mean. Instead of hunched over a Cintiq in a dark room. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, everybody, all the animators I knew that had windows. Yeah. Shut the windows down. Everything's black and dark. And I'm just like, no, I'm, I've done that. I'm kind of past it. And then I think as, as I progressed through the nine or 10 years at DreamWorks doing story, I think when now where I'm at now at Spire, it's very clear to me that all these choices that I've made throughout my career have always been based on me wanting to learn hmm. or I've stopped learning and I need to learn. I want to, and, and I'm craving to learn. So, you know, I mean, I can go through these benchmark moments of like, you know, from the first time I started at Disney, I need to learn, you know, yeah. uh, uh, working with Glenn Keenan story on Rapunzel. I'm learning again. He's showing me I'm not doing things right. Fix this. Oh, okay. I'm learning. I like this. It's, 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 it 
stimulates a lot of, you know, interest and love for trying to do better. Yeah. And do you feel you get some kind of internal thing that's saying like, I've maybe not like perfected or mastered this, but the, the amount of learning I have left is exponentially decreasing. And then that kind of drives you to, to follow a different path. I think so. I think there's a little bit of that. And I think it's also trying to fight the, the, the stigma, I guess, of people thinking, well, you've been doing this a long time, so you probably don't want to learn anything new uh, or you're probably past that. Or like, and you're like, your no, ideas are, you're, yeah, exactly. Well, that's what I do. I just think, well, I'm not like what you think. I, I, I get underestimated. I think through my whole career, I've always been underestimated as being like, oh, you're this kind of artist, this kind of, you're, you're that kind of person. And then a lot of times they, they find out that they're wrong. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I think that is another one that I can see. And I've seen with people around me that are around my age or younger that, that find themselves being not able to continue. And it's maybe because they get pegged as being like, they're not going to give us anything new. Yeah. Well, I think to myself, well, how do I avoid that? And part of it is just going someplace and being able to keep learning and be and be willing to learn. Like, I don't care how old or young you are. If you're going to teach me something I don't know, I'm happy to hear it. You know, I'm more than happy to hear it. Totally. I hope you don't lose that drive. I've definitely worked with people where, you know, oh, they've been there for a long time. They're going to give you exactly what you expect. And they're just kind of there to do their day job. And I, I feel like there's sometimes I feel like some people get like that because there's risk associated with learning something new. And, and, you know, if you're risk adverse, you might, you might just be comfortable staying in the same place, but it sounds like, you know, you've followed the thing. Maybe you don't consider it risk, but that's. Well, there is, but there's vulnerable, you get vulnerable, right? I mean, you feel you're artistically, you become a little bit vulnerable to failure. And then, and I think there's a fear that, you know, if you've been doing it 20 years or, more and you fail then you feel like people are just not gonna you know they're oh well he's he or she's finished you know they've they've given us everything they can right let's let's get somebody else but i'm i'm more in the mindset of going you know i might not get right there right i might not do it exactly the way you want but you know let's let's work together and get it better let's i'm i'm gonna show you that same energy as i was when i was 23 yeah you know i'm gonna keep giving it as much as i can to show that I can get get you where you want to go with your movie, you know, I'm more than happy to do that. Well, I think that's amazing attitude to have. So let me ask you this, you know, you've, you've come from all the big culturally impactful films, you know, learned your way up, done some amazing things, you've won awards. Um, and now what, what excites you about this new role? And what are you learning currently about, you know, storytelling and filmmaking that's, that's put you in this place? What is the thing that you want to accomplish slash what's exciting you? Um, well, I mean, to, to join Spire, it, it, well, the role, I mean, it's being a creative director. So you're sitting in a higher seat as it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that in itself to me was, was engaging to me because you have a little bit more of a say in, in the crafting of a film. Now you put that in a place like Spire, which we don't really have any rules. You know, we're not, we don't have a style. We don't have, we're brand new, but we have a lot of people that are working with us. I mean, when I think when I started, we were six, six of us, but everybody was like 30 years experience. So there's a lot of experience, but they have, 
I mean, I'll roll back to that moment where I met everybody because I knew uh, Brad Lewis, who's our co-founder of the studio. I knew him from working with him on Dragons. And he's, he's our Kevin Bacon. He's the one who connects us all, yeah. right? He's the one that connects everybody. Everybody knows Brad. So, uh, um, so that itself was like, okay, I'm going to go meet all these people I'm going to be working with for the first time. And then you find out that they're not too indifferent than me. Like, hey, he's a lot like, he thinks a lot like I do. Or she's been in this as long as I have. And she thinks like me. Well, that's interesting. Like we're all kind of looking for the same thing, which is, which is to, again, be inspired by, by stuff that, that we have a bigger hand in creating. And I think that's the exciting new learning part about this is that we're all trying to do something that hasn't been done. I mean, it has been done, but we, we don't have anything. I mean, so we're trying to create our own sort of pocket within this industry to make movies that, that, you know, are going to be, I mean, we're not going to be reinventing the wheel here. I mean, we're all make these movies have all been made before, but we're going to try to make ours in a way that you're just going to go, well, that's the goal is to say, if you saw the movie, you're not going to go, Oh, that was like that Disney movie I saw, or oh, that was like that Pixar. If, mm -hmm. we, if we can get people to say, this is like, a, um, you know, that Spire movie was, was really fun. I really enjoyed that. Like if you can get there and not have them say, oh, it's like that Disney movie, you know, yeah, that one came that's out a couple so of tough. It's hard, but there's the challenge, right? There's yeah. the goal and in, in the energy that we all have to try to see if we can put a movie forward that's gonna make you go, I really enjoy that film. Yeah. And, and it's not like other ones I've seen. It's its own, or thing. It's, its own thing. Man, so, that's uh, that's so tough. Cause like even finding a style, it's like you know, there's all these established styles and then there's new styles coming out all the time that just kind of don't work. Like even yeah. that itself and storytelling, like, you know, the hero's journey, the classic couple of songs in there, like. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think that's, that's the benefit. I think I look back and I, the one benefit of certainly working at Disney and DreamWorks, I mean, DreamWorks tried so hard to not be Disney. Yeah. Yeah. They were, I mean, in those days when Jeffrey was doing it, he was like, we are not Disney. We don't do Disney style. We have our own thing. And you go, okay, what is our style? We don't have one. <laughs> and you're like, what? You don't have one? No, but we're not like Disney. As long as it doesn't look like Disney, we're okay. And, but so they floundered, I think, in their, in their visual direction of what they were, I think a little bit. Yeah. But to me, it was like when they, when they did Madagascar, that was like all of a sudden you go, oh, like the <laughs> whole industry, the whole industry kind of wakes up to go, oh, wow, look at that. Nobody's yeah. doing that. And then they they hit it again with dragons, but more on a, the first How to Train Your Dragon was visually bringing in Roger Deakins, having him help you with the cinematography, making, making part of your frame super dark. You can't even see stuff because prior to that, CG animation is, if it was built, it's lit. You get to see everything. Yeah. You know, it's not like we're just going to focus on the character. We're going we're gonna to light the whole room so that you can see everything that was made. Yeah. You know, because it's amazing, you know. But Roger's like, no, 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 let's just make that all dark. We just see the characters one side of his face. And, and that blew people's minds. So yeah. it opened up a lot of, and that's when they started to kind of get their style. And then you start to say, okay, well, that makes you feel like your style will be shown by basically what you put forward as far as, I mean, you could ask me like, well, what's Spire's style? And I, 
I don't know. We don't know yet. You know, that's I'll yet. watch it when it comes out and I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and hopefully you won't say it's a lot like dot dot dot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> or I'll be I'll say it won't, but you can read between what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's amazingly ambitious. And it's it's like exactly what I think is needed in the marketplace right now because I feel there's some saturation going on as everybody every every animation studio is trying to accomplish. Yeah. Kind, of, kind of this thing so i think you know think so. sounds like you have an amazing mix yourself included oh thank you yeah i mean we i'm super happy with the amount of people that we have been able to connect with that are going to be joining us and the people that that i started with they're the great thing is that everybody's wanting to go the same direction everybody wants to do the same thing and it's just a matter of 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 us not falling off that yeah road you know stay on the road it might look a little rocky it might get bumpy it might not look great at times but we have to keep on that road and keep going because we got to believe that where we're going is the right direction and i and it very much the same feeling i have through my own personal career which is is this the right thing to do should i really be doing this for a job is this going to really pay my bills is this really gonna can i do this for like a whole life yeah and and you know yeah i guess i can so far so good <laughs> so far so good well screwed up too badly yeah i guess as we're wrapping up you know you've shared your amazing journey from way back sheridan 80s to Sher disney yeah. dreamworks and back and now it's spire and you dropped a lot of good tidbits along the way is there anything else that you wanted to share as we're kind of wrapping up here well i mean just for any of your younger listeners out there i mean it's just i think it's great that that if anybody has that desire to, to do this for a career and you love it, then just, just embrace it and take it where it takes you and, and don't, don't give up on it because yeah. it's, again, it's not easy road sometimes. Sometimes it's hard, but that's just part of the journey. But if you keep it, if you keep it in, your, in, in, the, in that love of, of the craft of animated movies or animated TV, it doesn't matter. I think it's, I think it's a, a, a wonderful life to have. And you'll never feel like you're working. That's the greatest thing about it. You'll never feel like you have a job. And if you do, get out. Get out. <laughs> Go, you know, Get into story. Go ahead. <laughs> I, think, I, I think that's great. And, and uh, you know, it, it can be intimidating. Like, I'm only at the start of my career. And sometimes I feel way in my own head about this. Like, oh, my gosh, you know, it's already a lot of work in these areas and trying to catch up. Like, is this something I want to do? But then when I'm in the zone, it's just so fantastic it, time stops i'm not thinking about anything else and then you come home at the end of the day and you're like oh i yeah. can somehow put food on the table and it's all right well exactly and and the great thing is that now there's so many different types of animation so many different platforms in which to showcase animation so i you know it's fantastic for for students people brand new to animation it's it's got a lot of potential for growth and and uh, you can yeah you can make yourself a nice happy living being an animator yeah, well, uh, I think that's a great note to end off on. And thank you so much for coming on the chat, Mike. I really appreciate hey. it. Thanks for your time. Yeah, I enjoyed it very much, Terry. Thanks Excellent. for having me. And if you're listening and you want to get in touch with Mike or check out his work, I'm going to include his LinkedIn and Instagram. Uh, his Instagram is michael.surrey. So you can look those up in the description of the chat. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for listening. Okay, bye. The music for this podcast was composed by Will Farmer and the graphics by Daniel Abensauer. I encourage you to look them up if you enjoyed their work.